don't even know the address. 66 Harborview Road. Hello, hello, and welcome to 66 Harborview Road, a podcast dedicated to ABC's General Hospital. I'm your host, Caitlin, and in today's episode, we are talking about the week of May 23rd through the 27th. We did have one day preempted, so our week did not end with as big of a shocker as usual, but let's just jump right in. Starting with BLQ, this podcast episode, she wants to get out of her contract with Link. And we see her on the phone with her lawyers at the start of the week and Drew comes in and sees her all dismayed and she ends up telling him everything about the situation. We get some basic advice from Drew and she gets excited about being a songwriter again until Link sends her a demo he made of one of her songs. And I had to chuckle at the use of language the writers did here because when Brooklyn said she couldn't pretend she wrote the songs after the contract was terminated... (laughs) I'm sure that's what all of us were thinking. That's what I was thinking. Like, how can he prove that you wrote these under contract with him? So we got that out of the way. But after hearing what Link did to her song, butchering it, as she's put it, uh, she wants to fight. She wants to fight alongside with Chase. So she calls Chase for help. I was disappointed Chase had to throw in that he's still a cop, plans to return to it, blah, blah, blah. Like, just help your girl, okay? Like, come on. Uh, It was almost insulting to me that after Brooklyn said the songs were her babies that Chase alluded that to, this has to do with Bailey Louise. Like, can she be upset about her songs separately from losing Bailey? Can we not loop her emotions into one thing? I, I just don't like that. But I do think this could be a really cool way to incorporate L&B records. I have no clue what's going on with that. Did Ned sell it? Is it all Lois's? Will Chase and Brooklyn become the new owners of L&B? Maybe Ned can help her with that while fighting the rest of his family. Or maybe he decides to walk away from ELQ and we get a big up-and-coming uh, L&B records story. Who knows? When BLQ was in between telling Drew about her songwriting woes, Michael and Willow passed through the kitchen on their way to the trial. Ned came in, assuming they were all talking about ELQ, but then offers his sincere good luck to Michael against Nina, so I thought that that was nice. When Drew approached Ned later that morning to talk, Ned wants no part of it. He's really mad, and I think he's really going to team up with Valentine, maybe even Austin, and who knows, an appearance by Tracy? That would be awesome. If by this holiday season, Tracy comes back and she's able to fight with Ned and gets ELQ stuff, I think that would be perfect. Drew throws in Ned's face that he has no media experience, and Ned throws back at him, well, let me get to the office where I, the only Quartermain, still work. (laughs) And I thought that was a really good banter. Like, it didn't get so deep that they were going to say stuff they regret, but it was a little bit petty. An extension of ELQ here, I'm just going to jump into the trial. So Michael overheard Nina telling Maxie that Sonny is testifying for her behalf. And Milo and Nina get into it. Maxie has to go take a phone call. She ends up having to leave to go get James. And yes, she was correct. Nina was indeed making everything worse. <laughs> like, Nina and Sunny are stunted children in adult suits. That, that's how I'm looking at them right now. Sonny met with Dante prior to the trial, and Dante tried talking some sense into him. Sonny tells Dante it's almost his fault for Sonny testifying for Nina because Dante's the one who told Sonny Michael was going to try and take him down legitimately. 
So then Dante brings up that Nina has a more than questionable past and Sonny is just a stubborn idiot about the whole thing. I would have rather Sonny have not gone to the hearing at all. Like I'd rather have him just go home and think about everything and he shows up for no one. But that's not what we got, obviously. (laughs) Dante is desperately trying to hold his family together and I feel bad that he's going to be stuck in the middle. I just hope he acts accordingly. Now, did anyone else laugh out loud when Scott introduced Nina as Nell Benson Jerome's mother? (laughs) I forgot that Nell blackmailed Julian into marrying her. So not only does Nell have that thick folder of crimes, but her legal name is proof that she was always associating with terrible people and making terrible choices. (laughs) I mean, even think about what Brad said to Carly. Wiley could grow up and want to know Nina. And Carly said, no, Wiley's gonna be smart and after knowing everything she's done, won't want anything from Nina. And I mean, I kind of agreed with that because I imagine if I found out about my real mother being Nell Benson, Jerome, and she's slitting throats and kidnapping people and blackmailing people, then I find out that her mother, my grandmother, was also kidnapping babies. I don't think I'd want to get to know them better. (laughs) Let sleeping dogs lie. So like I was saying earlier, Maxie showed her support for Nina, but she had to leave quickly. Mikey saw her and Nina talking, asked Maxie, would Peter have had a role in Bailey's life? And Maxie was very offended. And I understood this from all points here. Obviously, Peter was terrible. But Nina did terrible things too. And everyone's acting like because she turned around, it's all butterflies. Well, if Peter had tried to turn around, it's just a very interesting thing. Like, obviously, she was never going to take a baby up to a jail to meet her dad. You know what I mean? But uh, Michael is just heightened. He's so heightened right now. He's being very petty. It's very clear. Side note, Carly got the text that her test results are in, so we will find out for certain if Willow is Nell's twin, unless we find out later that someone else was in the lab mixing stuff up. <laughs> Brad Cooper's not there, so and it would have to be somebody new. And the next thing I want to say about this trial is objection hearsay about Nina telling the court how Wiley felt during their visits. You cannot account for someone else's feelings. You can only say what you observed and what it appeared like. I wanted them to bring up how Nina did all the Nixon Falls stuff just to spite Carly, to show that her character acts out of revenge and not out of love like she's been claiming. Then Sonny gets called to the stand. And I was heartbroken. It was like I was one of Sonny's kids and he was betraying me. He sat there, barely looked at Michael and Carly, his family, The adopted son that he fought for, that he killed for, that he hugged a bomb and jumped off the haunted star for, and then to sit there and say that he knew he had a life before his memories went and he decided not to figure it all out because Nixon Falls was just living in ignorant bliss. Like my stomach sank to the floor. Carly and Michael's faces were just like, wow no respect for us at all and not even them as individuals but them as people with a family who had someone go missing. I thought that during the Nixon Falls storyline all that talk of him not wanting to know his past 
I was mad. How dare you wake up with a wedding ring on and not even care to notify whoever that ring could be tied to that maybe you're not dead, but you don't want to come home either. I, I don't know. It just rubs me the wrong way, that whole, that whole thing. But this is why you hired Diane. Diane got up there. She did a great job of digging at Sonny while not crossing the line because it appears that she still represents him. I think that's why he was saying things like, enough, Diane, because he knows Diane was hired to defend Michael's and Willow's decision. Sonny can't exactly go 100% against Michael, so he has to sort of let Diane win or let Diane do what she needs to do, I guess up until a point. Because Sonny pays her retainer, I, I think. Does Sonny pay the retainer for Diane for Carly and Michael as well? Or do Carly and Michael contribute to the retainer so that she is available to all three of them? I don't know. I don't think I ever got clarification on that. But she stared right into Sonny's face and says, maybe you got over Nixon Falls, but your family did not. As if she was Sonny's mom wagging her finger at him. I mean, it was great. So then Diane brought up how Avery was born, and Sonny had to defend Nina's past actions by saying she wasn't well. And not only that, but Sonny had to put together that Nina stole Avery with Franco, whose father is representing the both of you right now. I mean, it couldn't have been a better moment for me to look at Sonny as pathetic as he's being right now. Look at your side, Sonny. You're with Scott Baldwin. <laughs> like, could Sonny ever see himself on the side of Scott Baldwin? I mean, if Sonny can't see that his life is turned upside down in a bad way because of this, I don't know what will. I don't know what it would be. So then Scott calls Mikey to the stand and he brings up Claudia Zakara. Okay, Scott, let's bring let's bring up Claudia. Let's do it. I I should have been his assistant during this, so. Claudia, daughter of Anthony Zakara, crime boss slash serial killer, and mother of Johnny. Is that how it turned out? He thought Claudia was his sister, and she was like 15, 16 years older than him, but it turned out that she was his mom. I don't remember the exact outcome of that, but either way, the Zakaras were mob people. Enemies of Sonny. Sonny married Claudia to keep peace between mob families. Then she kidnapped Carly, who was pregnant with Jocelyn. Carly ended up giving birth, and Claudia tried to kidnap baby Jocelyn. So I can't remember the exact details, but Michael caught wind of it, and he finds Claudia, Carly, and Jocelyn, and Michael hits her over the head with the uh, handle of an axe, and she ends up dying from it. Michael went to prison, and not only did he serve some time, I mean, they did say it was months, but he was a victim of a much worse crime while in prison. Nothing that I want to talk about on here for this episode, but Michael, he, he's he's all right. He's all right. Uh, so the camera pans to Sonny while Scott is questioning Michael about Claudia. And Sonny's face, I mean, he's regretting everything. He's regretting every single thing that led to this courtroom right then and there because he knows that Claudia is his fault. Claudia is also the one who got Michael shot in the head and in uh, that coma for a year. So once again, Michael does not look bad here, in my opinion. If I was the judge, I would really be looking at Scott like, 
uh, okay, you're bringing this up and it doesn't make any sense pertaining to this case and it doesn't show me any characterization about Michael besides that he protects his family at all costs. So, I, I don't know. All of these questions are really prov- proving that Wiley should have stayed with Lucas. <laughs> I think that's what a lot of us are thinking. I-, I can't wait to see what happens this week when Willow and Nina were struggling at that little recess they took. Willow's not playing right now. I like it. Just like the Shiloh trial, Willow's not playing. Jumping into a different family, the Ashfords are all at the hospital while Marshall is recovering. I assume they're at Mercy Hospital, since it's the only other one they talk about on the show. But this is when TJ tells Curtis that while him and Molly were looking for information in Marshall's apartment for, like, his health insurance or something, um, he found medication. And Curtis and TJ talk about mental health and the stigma that it's had for decades. So it was a good conversation. However, TJ's a doctor, so I'm surprised he didn't rattle off a couple of things that that specific medication was used for. Maybe we were to believe that there wasn't enough time for him to do that since like the doctor came out to talk to them. I don't know. So Marshall wakes up with Curtis by his side and tells him that he wants to make things right with him because he couldn't make things right with Tommy. Stella arrives and there's a lot of family banter that I enjoyed. So now that it's all out in the open that Stella and Curtis's mom knew Marshall was alive this whole time, are we going to get more answers on who Stella is? Why is she not related to Curtis? Does that mean Curtis's mom isn't his mom? Like we just, we don't have enough answers on that. And will we meet any of Sean Butler's extended family to shake things up? Uh, Not even that. Uh, Are we going to find out that Curtis is Trina's father? Can we get more mention of Gia or even a pop-in guest appearance? I mean, this family has so many avenues that we have not gone down yet. I suppose that gives us longevity down the line. There's so many storylines to pull from the Ashfords. It's great. And side note here, uh, we have the Portia and Jordan outliers. So why has no lawyer reached out to Jordan or Curtis, advising that their divorce was never complete? And what is Portia's secret? Is it about Trina's paternity or is it something about Taggart? I don't know. We still don't have answers on that. So from Mercy to GH, Liz has been admitted. To stay by her side, Finn has got Violet with Gregory at the park. Gregory sees the Invader article about Nina, and while he's showing Violet how to throw a frisbee, he hits Alexis. She comes over, and she's very proud of her work, and Gregory gets a little rough with her, says that the paper isn't taking enough of a stance on the story. So Alexis invites him to put his thoughts on record, but he's not interested. I don't know what the audience is supposed to think here. Was this flirtatious? Are they becoming friends? Was this a job opportunity for Gregory so we can see him more? Was it an excuse to bring up Jackie Templeton because maybe she's coming back? I don't know. More questions than answers as usual. (laughs) So Violet comes over and tells Gregory that he's not playing nice with Alexis, and I thought that that was hilarious. Meanwhile, Chase arrives at GH where Finn and Terry are trying to help Liz figure out what's going on. I think it could be a really great story for Terry and Finn to team up and figure out a medical explanation for Liz. But I doubt that'll happen. So (laughs) Kevin Collins walks in to find Finn and Chase talking about what's going on. And I thought with the appearance of Kevin, we were going to hypnotize Liz. That could have been a great couple of scenes, but maybe we'll get that in the future. So he thinks that it could be something with the sleeping pills, could be something in the subconscious. 
We still don't know. Laura gets to GH and sees Cameron, and she's there to comfort him. I mean, Laura is everyone's surrogate mom, surrogate grandma, and I love that for her. Liz is in her room telling Finn that she's a threat and she needs to get help. She doesn't want to return home, and Finn doesn't want to see her go anywhere, but I think he's being a little selfish. Um, If someone is telling you, I need more help than what I can get here, you should listen to them. So I didn't like that about Finn, but she asks him, do you have my back? And he does eventually say yes. But then she says she wants no visitors, like not even your children. I don't know, not even Cameron. I don't know. So what's what's going on? Are we losing Liz? Is she going on vacation? Is she going on leave? Like what's what's happening in real life and on the show? (laughs) Because I really like Elizabeth. I I don't know. So Liz hugs everyone goodbye in such sweet moments. Cameron tries to get on with his life and he goes to Kelly's where Jocelyn finds him and he tells her all about his mom. Jocelyn empathizes with him, but I thought she could have shown a little bit more emotion. Um, She does try to distract him with her bogus plan to break up Spencer and Esme to somehow get evidence against Esme. But Cameron asks to table a conversation until he can think more clearly. I don't blame him. Spencer runs up after Nicholas came home with the news about Liz. So Spencer offered any services he could to Cameron in this time. And honestly, I would love to see a babysitting scene with Aiden, Jake, and Spencer. (laughs) I think that would be awesome. So earlier, Nick was at GH, but no one would give him any answers about Liz after he couldn't reach her for two days. He gets into it with Britt, and she all but kicks him out of the hospital, which I liked. (laughs) Nicholas was being really extra. Britt ends up telling him how Spencer was mean to her because it doesn't fall far from the tree, you know? And Nicholas has to admit that there are problems going on still, and Terry ends up stepping in because Britt is getting so loud about it. So Terry interrupted, and she gives Nick some info about Liz, but she says try to get a hold of Laura. So Terry obviously is very good at being a mediator. She's very good at keeping people calm. I mean, she's just great. Terry and Britt end up going in Terry's office to discuss Britt's feelings about, you know, Nicholas being there, Spencer's words, and I thought it was interesting that Britt said she was looking for a partner, not just a boyfriend. Something fun there. So Terry then tells Britt during the conversation that she's been seeing someone, and since Amy was so upset that Chet was dating Terry, she submitted an application for a job in Chicago for Chet. And of course, he gets the job. And for Chet, it's basically his dream job. And Amy didn't even feel guilty about it at first. Like, she's so petty. I I don't understand what this whole thing was. So when Chet arrives at Terry's office after Britt leaves, he has to tell her about the job. And as Amy is overhearing them talk about it, she busts in. She says she sent the resume and that she's sorry and that they should continue to date. Like, what? What's happening? Why was this such a quick turnaround? I thought this was going to be more of a distraction from other storylines. So I don't know, maybe something bigger is coming for Terry and Chet. Something that has been brewing for a while is Esme. When Nicholas told Spencer about Liz, Esme was there too. So when Spencer left, Nick and Esme were alone. To which they talked about Spencer and Esme's relationship and she ended up holding Nick's hands. Like, ew girl, please stop. I'm getting really grossed out by it. I don't, I don't like it at all. I don't like seeing it. <laughs> so in this conversation, she mentions that Ava offered Spencer part of his trust fund for them to move out, and Nicholas runs off to find Ava. And as he leaves, Esme smiles. 
I, I mean, this girl is playing games with everybody and Nicholas is believing everything. This is why Ava is so upset because Nicholas is just a fool. At the same time this was going on, Rory shows up to the Jerome Gallery and asks Trina to hang out at the planetarium, even asked her to hang out by the pool. So the Metro Court pool is open for Memorial Day weekend, and that made me very happy. <laughs> Trina declines his invites as it is frowned upon for a cop to hang out with someone under investigation. She says she doesn't want to ruin Rory's life, and that was very sweet. We got some mild background on Rory, and listen... I know what went on this weekend on Soap Twitter. I saw it after I watched it this week. What I'm going to say on here is that I'm disappointed in the actor, and it's a shame that Disney or GH, whoever's in charge of vetting the actors that you hire, did not vet them. That's what I'm going to say about that. So Spencer sees Rory and Trina talking, and he is just staring in jealousy. He pretends to knock something over to give his presence known, and Rory takes off, and Trina watches over Spencer stuffing envelopes. And I mean, poor Trina, right? A new boy is showing interest. Her old flame is not showing her that he's on her side, and she's torn apart by the school's decision and the trial. Spencer then tells Trina that Ava gave him part of his trust fund, and Trina says, wow, you're just letting Ava buy you off. And he's looking at her like, no, this is going to help everybody. I mean, it's interesting because that claim that Spencer made that this is going to help Nicholas, is he talking about removing the obstacle of Esme? Or was he thinking of something else? Maybe not letting his dad harbor a criminal? I don't know. This is unfolding very, very slow, but I'm just dying to know the end game. I can't help it. While Trina and Spencer were talking, Rory decided to go to the pool and gets two lounge chairs, one for Trina, even though she didn't agree to hang out. Very presumptuous of him. When Trina leaves the gallery, she ends up going to the pool where we find out Portia has a membership and Trina starts to officially crush on Rory as he's getting out of the pool. Hilarious scene, but I do think it was kind of needed. It was a little comic relief for me. <laughs> so her and Rory, they, they have a really good time together. It's easy to talk to him, just as easy as when she first met Spencer when he said his name was Victor. And while Spencer is stuffing envelopes, Esme is writing Maggie a new letter, telling her everything's working out. I really hope someone gets a hold of this. Will we see Sam dressed up as a male person? <laughs> I guess she would just pay someone to help her, but I mean, whatever. We need, we need a good caper on this show again. One that takes up a few weeks, not just a couple of days. When Spencer comes back home, it appears that he started a fight on purpose. Like, I was wondering if the writers took notes from Taylor Swift's All Too Well music video. <laughs> I was so confused as Spencer left to go ride horses, telling Esme that she's hysterical. And while Spencer is riding around Spoon Island, Ava is at the Metro Court. Victor walks up to her, strikes up conversation. She kind of gives him the lowdown about what's been going on in Port Charles. I, I kind of liked their little talk there. Nicholas walks in the restaurant and begins to silently yell at Ava for giving Spencer access to his trust fund, causing a wall between Nick and Spencer. Victor chimes in and says the Cassidines have been through worse and they have a perfectly good marriage, let's not ruin it kind of thing. <laughs> he then has to slither off. <laughs> so Nicholas throws out there that not so long ago, Victor helped save Esme from Sonny's non-existent mercy and now Ava's throwing her out, making Esme some kind of target. 
Ava doubles down on, I'm giving us space and time to work on our marriage. But Nicholas is not having it. He is like more concerned with Esme's well-being than Ava's. And what I was confused with was, I thought Ava was helping Trina. How is this helping Trina's case by not having Esme right under your nose? They continue to talk about trust and Esme, and Nicholas says, well, it's my marriage or my family. To then Ava starts crying and says, I thought I was your family too. So then Ava throws out, well, maybe I need to be the one to walk away. Again, can anybody blame Ava? If I was married to Nicholas and this is how he was acting, I would have been gone. I would have been gone that first night when Esme was there. But again, do they have this post-nup thing worked out? Or would Ava be giving up all that Castadine money? I mean, I'm sure she's got her own. Her gallery is thriving. She's fine. But I remember that being such a big plot in their marriage was this post-nup agreement. So Nicholas, being furious at this conversation, comes home to chug a glass of liquor and then Esme strolls in. First off, what room off the parapet is this? Why are they in this weird small room all the time now? Where's the living room? Where are the rooms of Windermere that we're used to seeing? And the last thing I want to mention here is Brad and Britt at yoga. I mentioned earlier that Brad had something to say to Carly about Wiley, but I wanted to point out that Brad thanked Britt for pushing him to work for Selena Will and that everything is above board and she's a fair boss. I can't wait to see what Selena makes Brad do. Will she toughen him up a little bit? Because he needs it. I mean, he was strong with Carly talking about Nina and Wiley and the AJ thing, but Brad needs confidence. And I think Selena's the one who's going to make him see his full potential as a good person. But unfortunately, he's going to be doing bad things for Selena. I'll be watching it all from 66 Harborview Road. You can find me on Twitter at 66 underscore view. TikTok at 66 underscore Harborview Road and Instagram at 66 Harborview Road. From the Quartermain Foyer, I bid you a great week.